0: Welcome to Pardon the Confusion. This is your host, Paul Larnold with a special podcast. Normally, we have three of us, myself and two co-hosts, and usually one of them is Ernest Watts, who helped me start this podcast. Well, Ernest's father, Clifford Watts, died this past week, and so this podcast is a special tribute to Clifford Watts, who served in the Air Force and was a father to Ernest and his brothers and sister. So, Clifford Watts will be greatly missed, and he loved listening and rooting for the St. Louis Cardinals when he was a boy. And so we're going to share several um, information, or I should say old radio calls, of his favorite player, Stan Musial, and then also the 1956 All-Star Game. So I hope that you listen, enjoy, and remember Clifford Watts as a man that loved his family, loved his God, and was willing to serve others for the common good. So, Ernest, we're praying for you, and now enjoy this podcast.
1: Shortly before the Second World War, a baseball legend begins to unfold in the steel town of Donora, Pennsylvania. Stan Musial, three times National League Most Valuable Player, St. Louis Cardinals. National League All-Star Selection, 23 years. Member 3,000 hit club. Seven times National League batting champion. Lifetime batting average of 331. Today, Musial is senior vice president of the St. Louis Cardinals and a successful restaurateur. Former Green Bay great Paul Horning talked with Musial at Horning's Manhattan apartment and once again at the airport where Musial was awaiting his flight back to St. Louis as they explored the legend of the baseball player who was known to all as the man.
2: Then when we did the show with Mickey Mantle, I asked Mickey who were the, some of the greatest natural hitters he's ever seen, and he said, "Well, there was two that I can really think of: it was of course Ted Williams and Stan the Man." Now, your peekaboo style, it was called, crouching back deep into the box. Was that always a Stan mutual trait, to, even when
3: you were young? Uh, no, it wasn't, Paul. Uh, I always had uh, had a normal stance, but I always wanted to hit 300 in the major leagues. So when I joined the Cardinals, I kind of crouched down to cut down the strike zone. I was just punching that ball to left field. Although my stance was very unorthodox, I felt very, very comfortable. But the most important thing about a stance is when you come out of that stance, to have a good level of swing. And the follow-through, of and, course. Right, right. So it's it's, it's, uh, almost like addressing a golf ball. The pros tell you just to get comfortable right, and do
2: your thing. You actually
3: created your own strike zone. Yes, uh, yes. Uh, when that ball was, uh, was outside, I kind of strode into the ball and hit the ball to left field. If the pitch was inside, I tried to hit the ball at all times to right field, so I didn't try to pull too much. I was a spray hitter. Of course, in 24 years, you had, your
2: average was over 330, one of the great uh, hitters of all time. And Stan, we've got some film here that I think exemplifies just that. Against the Dodgers,
4: the left-hander at the stretch. Here's his pitch. Musial takes him the other way and bounces the ball through on the left side. Might get the run home. He does.
3: The Dodgers, for many years, had great teams. We had battled one another and had great, uh, great games and uh, very challenging uh, series. And uh, they were tough. The Dodgers had great teams.
4: Tight ball game tonight. The Cardinals and the Dodgers. The batter is Musial. Here in St. Louis, and Stan goes after the fastball and drives it
2: deep and far up on the porch. A home run for Muzio.
3: Every game was uh, like a World Series. Campanella, Reese, Snyder. Great, great ballplayers. Robinson, team. and uh, yes, yeah, great pitchers over there, too. Who's that young guy? <laughs> I looked younger, didn't I didn't <laughs> hits
4: a long drive. It's going way, way back in deep left center, and it's gone.
3: Those are great games against the Dodgers. A lot of excitement, always a great uh, series we had going with the Dodgers. Never a dull moment. Actually, in Brooklyn's where you got the name, Stand the Man. Yes. so uh, every time we played there, I did such great hitting in Brooklyn that uh, the fans always used to say, uh, here comes that man, here comes that man. So uh, pretty soon, it it was Stan the Man. There's one of the great hitters of all time, Ted Williams. He was a very scientific hitter, studied hitters. Did uh, you ever compare pitching. notes, the two of you? Have very seldom, uh, because we didn't meet that often except the World Series mm-hmm. time. And Here's a good shot at the
4: Crouch. Here's the pitch. Double pump on the lineup. And the pitch. Musial hits a long, towering drive to deep right field, and there's no question about this
3: one. It is gone, a home run into the lower deck. When you hit a home run, you can generally tell by the feel of the bat uh, how solid it hit, and you could tell how far the ball was going. So I knew that... Uh, I didn't try to hit home runs, uh, really, Paul, through my career. I was just trying to meet the ball. The ball. And uh, once in a while, uh, you know, you, you do tell the Did
2: you tell today that really hit the long ball? Would you tell them still to
3: try to meet the ball and never go for the home run? I would say that uh, if you uh, just try to meet the ball and have the power, that you'll hit more home runs, not trying to hit home runs. Because if you're trying to hit a home run, you're swinging too hard, you're taking your head off the ball and uh, moving quite a bit. There's Enos Slaughter, one of the great Cardinal ball players, a great hustler. He loved to play, and Enos was a great Cardinal. He really was. Enos bangs it through for a base hit.
4: Whitey Kurowski at the play. Here's the pitch. The third baseman bangs it hard. It's a base hit, and Kurowski's going to try to stretch it into a double. It's going to be close at second
3: base and he makes it. We had a lot of speed in those days. We had a young, hustling club. This turmoil buying the ball, we bunted more often in those days. And that's Red Shandice, my roomie. And you know how uh, important good roomies are. That's and, right, uh, especially Red, after
2: so many years.
3: Red's our manager, you're right. He's, he's, he's a great Red Red guy. Red. Red and I were there together about 10 years. Musial
4: hits a line shot to right center. Shandice will score easily.
3: Now this is Willie Mays getting his 3,000th hit. Yes. And the man was on hand? Yeah, I wouldn't miss it. Uh, Willie's been a great uh, ball player all these years, and uh, he's had a great career, and I was uh, happy to be able to be out there to see this. Uh, uh, Willie get his 3,000 hit, and it's a great feeling to get 3,000 hits. It takes a lot of years, and you've got to be healthy and play uh, and be fortunate enough to get hurt, and Willie had a great career there and got 3,000 hits, and it's a great thrill to uh, reach this goal. It was, a, it was a nice occasion to... Uh, and he's another natural
2: hitter. I mean, oh, Willie yes. did
3: everything uh, effortless. Well, Willie could beat you, you know, with, with his bat, with his glove. One of the best all-around ball players I ever saw, really, with his uh, bat, glove, and speed. So he was a good all-around ball player for many, many years. I was uh, coming up to pinch hit here in Chicago. Uh, I wasn't due to play this game, and uh, I needed one more hit for 3000 Freddie Hutchison, our manager, was saving me for St. Louis uh, the next day. But an occasion arose in the game where I was needed to pinch it. And the crowd realizing the drama
4: of the moment. Musial going for number 3,000. Right-hander set. Here's the pitch to Musial. Hits a fly ball down the left field line that's going to fall in for a base hit. Musial reaches number 3,000. He's going to make it a double. He goes to second, standing up, and the crowd roars.
2: You know, Stan, uh... During your career, you came through over, over 20 years when the made the big play. We're going to come back and talk about it in just a moment. Uh, it would seem to me during your career, you came through when the made the big play.
3: Well, uh, it, it would depend on the situation of the game and uh, what you had to do. And uh, sometimes you try to hit a home run and uh, a lot of times you just try to get a base hit. So. As you say, it's the uh, conditions and situations, uh, uh, changes, uh, and you try to uh, build yourself up to these situations.
5: Musial in that familiar, crouch up at the plate, waiting for his pitch. He gets it, oh, ho, ho! that one's out of here. Over the body, into the seats, and Stan, the man, does it again. Home run, Stan Musial.
2: Uh, of course, some of your greatest days were in all-star games. And...
4: Stan Musial loosening up with a little pepper game before the big ball game. Well, we come to a big moment of this ballgame now. The batter, Musial. Here's the pitch. Stan gets all of it. He takes a look at it. He knows where this is going. Back and over the fence for a Musial home run. Musial got every bit of it. Stan, the man, jotting around the bases, and he'll have a reception committee. A tremendous shot, and he knew it the moment he hit it. Walter Austin
5: congratulates Museum. And the All-Star game is won by Stan the Man. Oh, here's the man they've been waiting for. The most durable All-Star of them all, Stan Museum.
3: This is an all-star game in Yankee Stadium. I was about 40 years old, and I got a great, great kick out of hitting this home run because it was in New York and the All-Star game. I always enjoyed playing in New York. They're great fans and love baseball and uh,
5: All right, Musial's all set up there in the batter's box. What an opportunity to be a hero! He may be. That one's got home run written all over it. Over the fence, into the seats, a home run right over Roger Maris' head there. Stan the man delivers once again in All Star fashion, receiving the plaudits of the crowd. A great, great All Star, Stan Musial. Great spot for Musial. Go ahead, run on base. Pitcher sets, delivers. So does Musial pulls a pitch into right field that'll score a run.
2: Uh, this is the old Polo Grounds. Yes, yeah, so he loved to the, the hit there, didn't you?
3: Yes, yeah, so the offensive were short, and I didn't try to hit a ball hard there. I tried to just pull the ball at all times down the right field line. It was two sixty down the line, and all you had to do was get a ball in the air, and uh, it'd go go for a home run. So. Uh, this is back in San Francisco again one Marichal is pitching and uh, he was a great pitcher had a screwball and had great control.
5: Musial at bat up here in a spot where he can deliver another clutch blow. He swings. He connects. Runner at third scores easily and the Cardinals are ahead one to nothing. Runner on run base Marischal delivers Musial lashes out another. This is a drive and this one may get out of here over the fence at Candlestick Park. And Stan is delivered. This is a whole runoff Juan
3: Marichal. Yes, this is in San Francisco. I like San Francisco. It's a great city, and uh, they play a lot of day ball there. And the wind blew to right field, so it, it has somewhat of a help. A hero's welcome for Stan the man as he stomps on home plate,
5: scoring behind two runners. You well, know, Stan, the uh,
2: in baseball, of course, the brushback pits, the beanball has become very, very prominent. It's been a controversy for years. How many times did you know going up to bat uh, that you were going to be brushed back?
3: Oh, uh, every once in a while, yeah, Paul, they would uh, they would uh, brush your back and hit you on occasions. And, of course, the pit- uh, pitcher's trying to protect the hitter, uh, particularly if, uh, you know, you hit somebody on their side. So it... Uh, Here's there's, there's Willie Mays getting hit here. Uh, I'm sure that uh, something uh, went on there, whereas uh, he might have been trying to pitch him inside and the ball got further in there. But uh, every once in a while, the pitchers get heated up in the heat of battle and, uh, you know, hit a guy. And they, they, in turn, hit hit one of our guys. So it's uh, part of the game. But as long as nobody gets seriously hurt, why, uh, that's the main thing.
5: Now it's pitcher versus pitcher. Gibson at the plate. Marshall delivers. Down goes Gibson. And out goes the umpire. He is charging Marichal. Marichal's coming off the mound to face the umpire. Alvin Dark runs out. He's going to try to argue on behalf of his pitcher, but I'm afraid
3: it's too late.
5: Marichal is being thumbed out of this ball game.
3: This is our last game in St. Louis. Jim Maloney is pitching, and uh, this is my final game. And the first time up, I struck out, and I was worried about uh, getting a hit in my last game or two, but I did come through with two hits
2: exactly the same way you started 24 years ago yes it
3: was, i felt like making the comeback after those two <laughs> hits <laughs> this is our locker room coming upstairs and uh for the last time and i hated to give it up you gave up you're giving up something you loved to do all these years and baseball is a great game and i enjoyed it and of course for any baseball player the greatest
2: honor that you can achieve as your introduction into the Hall of Fame.
3: Yes, it was a great thrill, Paul, to reach baseball's Hall of Fame. It took uh, many, many years of playing, and uh, it's a dream and an ambition. And uh, when you get in the Hall of Fame, it's really a great thrill. And all my friends and family were there, and uh, I was uh, quite honored by uh, uh, baseball, getting into baseball's Hall of Fame. After playing 24 years, I took a little time giving this speech because uh, I had a lot of things to cover. So it was uh, was a hard uh, and difficult speech to make. This is not too difficult to take, though.
2: And I don't think there's any other active baseball player who has a statue after him at Bush Stadium. It's a beautiful, beautiful honor.
3: The St. Louis uh, fans and newspapers and the press and radio and everybody honored me there in St. Louis at this uh, wonderful statue. And uh, I'm very honored by by this uh, award here. You know, Stan, uh, I guess when anyone plays any professional
2: sport for over 20 years, traveling becomes a second way of life, and we're gonna come back and talk about your travels in just a moment. All right. Stan, and all the traveling, that you did over so many years. Did you have any problems at home? Did the wife ever become a little bit perturbed that you were away from home so much?
3: Well, well, not really, because uh, my wife always felt that baseball and traveling kind of went together as part of our life. And of course, uh, well, uh, you know, while we're traveling there, the girls are raising youngsters, and uh, so they must be more or less a mother and father while we're on the road. And they must uh, have a lot of dedication and understanding. I think, I think we owe the, owe the, owe the girls a great deal of gratitude, really, for you know being both mother and father, and raising our youngsters, and I had four youngsters, and I had six grandchildren. I have more time now to enjoy them, and, uh, and we have a great family. Standing in all your travels,
2: not only as an active baseball player in the United States, but as probably the greatest goodwill ambassador we've ever had abroad, as far as baseball is concerned. You also went
3: to Saigon in 1967. I understand that you very much. Yeah, no question about it. It was a very interesting experience visiting our uh, our troops over there, visiting the bases, talking to the youngsters, showing them movies, telling them how things were back here in the states, and uh, that was a really uh, quite an experience. Of course, uh, what a Impressed me more than anything else about uh, uh, Saigon was that the spirit of our youngsters—they had a, they felt like they had a job to do. Their spirit was really great. I was really impressed with their spirit. They okay. loved meeting Stan Musial too. Well, they're great, great fans. They really were. About Japan, I understand. Of course, they're great
2: baseball fans. You went <laughs> to Japan in 1958, then again in 68 with the St. Louis Cardinals and played the Japanese All-Stars over there. That also must have been uh, quite a
3: trip. Yes, we, uh, in 1958, I was uh, still playing so that uh, they would uh, entertain us before a ball game and they are gracious hosts and they'd uh, take care of our wives. And uh, before every game, we, they were showered with many, many gifts. And the uh, Japanese, uh, they love baseball. They played quite a bit of it, you know, and uh, uh, they have great legs and great ball players, and so uh, baseball in Japan was very interesting. Uh, some of the fans were different than the fans we have here in the United States. You know, here in this country, New York or Brooklyn, or Uh, Chicago fill up, we have rabid fans, they yelling, hollering, or get very emotional. Over in Japan, uh, whenever I see a ball game, they're very quiet and they're very subdued, and they don't, they don't show their emotion, that kind of... very serious. Yeah, they take it serious. That was different.
2: And after he retired in 1963, a great honor was bestowed on Stan the Man, President Lyndon Baines Johnson
3: appointed you as special consultant to head up the physical fitness program i always believed in physical fitness even when i was a youngster my dad impressed upon me the value of physical fitness and uh, of course then when the president johnson nominated me to work with the fitness program of the country working with the youth of the country trying to improve their physical well-being well, it was a great honor, and it was a great program. It's still a, a great program, going very well, and uh, I think now the United States uh, is conscious of, of fitness, not only youth fitness, but uh, middle-aged fitness, and uh, I think the program has done a lot to up, upgrade the physical well-being of, uh, of the country. And I guess
2: the original idea I had to start with John F. Kennedy. He was very interested in sports and physical fitness.
3: Yes, Pretty good friend uh, of pres- yours, yeah. President of Kennedy was a great sports fan. You know, he loved baseball, football. He was in of all the games. And uh, I remember one occasion where uh, so we played an all-star game here in uh, Washington, and uh, he invited me up to his box uh, before the game and, and introduced me to many of his friends and senators. And uh, you know, lucky enough, I was before during the game. I, I was called to pinch it, and I got a base hit. <laughs> I so was kind of she thrilled that that invited him up to uh, up to the White House the next day. And John was a great guy, and I uh, I was happy to be among among one of his friends.
4: With President Kennedy looking on today, Stan Musial, the hitter. Stan digs in. Here's the pitch of the right-hander. <laughs> Musial lines it into right field for a base hit. Solid shot for Stan
2: Musio to open the inning. And the president enjoys it. Stan, I guess the only things left is your goodbye to baseball, which was a great one.
5: The longest playing career of any major leaguer with one team comes to an end as Stan Musial makes his final appearance in a Cardinal uniform, September 29th, 1963 at Bush Stadium in St. Louis. The 43-year-old Musial retires after spending a quarter of a century in the Cardinal organization and bows out with complete or partial ownership of more than 58 major league records. Even the kids are given special attention in the retirement ceremonies to pay tribute to their hero, Stan Musial, a guy who always found time to sign autographs and give helpful advice to youngsters or better. Ken Boyer, the star third baseman and captain of the Cardinals, presents Musial with a ring showing his uniform number six in diamonds, a number that will never be worn by another St. Louis player, according to August Bush Jr., the club's president.
3: Baseball has uh, been my life, and I love baseball, I love St. Louis. This is a great organization, and uh, uh, I've had fun all these years, and uh, it's been a great thrill. For me and my family, we want to thank all of my closest associates here through the years why, for the many, many things you've done for me, and uh, I just want to thank you very much.
1: Dan the man Musial, once a Major League Baseball star of the highest order, and now a member of the Games Hall of Fame. When Musial retired after the 1963 season, he had set 55 Major League and All-Star records, and had gained membership into the exclusive 3,000-hit club. Today, Musial serves as Senior Vice President of the St. Louis Cardinals. And is a successful St. Louis restaurateur, where he lives with his wife, Lillian. They have a son, Dick, and three daughters, Jerry, Janet, and Jean. Long live the man, and long live his legend.
6: The stands deep in the box. The pitch by Pierce is a foul back-off in the lower deck. So the count remains at two strikes with Yogi Berra working back of the plate for the American League team. Ted Williams in left field. Mickey Mantle is playing today in center. And there was some question as to whether the great center fielder of the Yankees would be able to make it. He's wearing a knee brace which extends from his upper thigh down below the cap of his leg. And uh, he'll be moving. Here's Pierce's delivery, a let-up curve that's just a little high for a ball. One ball, two strikes. Johnny Temple. The red legs uh, uniform uh, with that vest-like top is rather cool. And when Ted Kluszewski uh, gets into the game a little later, I imagine you'll hear some sounds from the fans. The one-two delivery, a curveball, throws his bat, misses, and the bat goes down to third base coach. Freddie Hutchinson, strike three. Billy Pierce records the strikeout, the first of the all-star game as Johnny Temple goes down waving. Dick Robinson batting in the number two spot for the Redlegs, hitting 313 as 18 home runs on the National League season. He made quite a jump from the low minors to the Cincinnati Redlegs and has really been powdering that ball. Open stance, stands up in the front part of the box, takes a swing, and he cuts back on a foul. Frank wears number 20, tall, slender youngster, born August the 31st, 1935. He was just a baby when many of these fellows who will be seeing action today were playing. Billy Pierce into his wind up to pitch on the way. A curve ball. He swings out and he misses strike two. So the left hander, Billy Pierce, being used by manager Casey Stengel to start off this All-Star Classic, continues to uh, handcuff the first two men to face him. George Cowell backs up at third, about three steps off the line. Keene halfway between second and third at short. The outfield pulled the left. The wind blowing out towards right center field. 350 feet down the left field line. 320 down the right field line. And Pierce is ready. Here's the two-strike pitch. A swing and a miss. Strike three. So Billy Pierce faces two men. Strikes two out. And there's two out in the top half of the first inning. The National League now sends up Stan the Man Musial. And Mr. Musial stepping in there now is appearing in his 13th All-Star game, a new record. And he'll get quite a hand. Musial, a left-hand batter, deep in that batter's box, feet close together, hunched up. The pitch by Pierce, a ground ball hit to the left side. Keene to his left, has it The throw to first out. Throw Sam Musial bounces out short to first. Harvey Keene to Mickey Vernon. And in the top half of the first inning for the National League, no runs, no hits, no errors, nobody left on, and Billy Pierce strikes out two of the first three men to face him. And at the end of the first half inning, the score, National League nothing, the American League coming to bat. Harvey Keene steps in there. Harvey, representing the American League at shortstop, number seven, currently hitting 354 in the American League season, takes a look at a fastball from Bob Friend over the inside corner. Bob Friend is working his first All-Star game, and I believe he is the first Pittsburgh Pirate ever to start an All-Star game. The outfield shaded to the left. Keene swings over a close stance. The pitch, a fastball, low and outside. One ball, one strike. Friend looks in. Ed Bailey from the Cincinnati Redlegs doing the catching. Ken Boyer backed up at third. The pitch to Keene. A curveball. There's a line drive. Speared by Ken Boyer. Boyer goes to his left. feared that ball. And Harvey Keene goes back to the American League dugout talking about the great play of this youngster. So Keene lines out to Ken Boyer at third. Fine play by the youngster who moved to his left and dove for the ball came up with it. The batter now is the left hand batting Nellie Fox. Stands deep in the box. Swings over a... Close stance. The pitch by Friend. He swings on this one. Pops one foul, going over near the stands. And over is Boyer. He can't get to it. It's out of play. One strike. We're in the last half of the first inning, the All-Star game in Washington. The American League batting with one out. Nellie Fox, the batter. No score. Friend is ready. to pitch on the way. To Nellie Fox takes a swing on a fastball outside. Strike two. Friend has an unusual delivery in that he starts in his wind-up one time, then swings his arm out to the right and around. And it keeps the batter uh, searching for that ball. The pitch by Friend on the way. A ground ball to the right side. Moving over to his left is Johnny Temple. Makes the throw to first a day long out at first. Donnelly Fox bounces out second and first. Two out in the last half of the first inning. And here's Ted Williams. Ted Williams steps in there now for the American League. Ted is appearing in his 12th All-Star game. Brooks had a fastball on inside, 4-ball-1. Ted stands up there, 6'4", 198-pounder. Birth date, August 30th, 1918, San Diego. In 32 times at bat, in the All-Star game has 12 hits. Bob Friend's ready to work. The one-ball pitch to Williams. He looks at a curve that gets the inside corner for a strike. One and one. Friend has a good fastball. that moves around. He throws a slider, and he has a good curve. Two out, nobody on. Last to first. No score. The right side of the infield backed up with the infield shift on. The shortstop, McMillan, the right side of second base. There's a let-up curve outside. Two balls, one strike. Ken Boyer, the third baseman, playing halfway between second and third, about two steps off the line. The shortstop, McMillan, is over about five steps to the right a second. Johnny Temple, the second baseman, halfway between second and first, and long deep at first. The pitch to Williams, a swing and a miss on a fastball. And it's now two balls, two strikes, two out. No score, nobody on. The outfield has Stan Musial deep in the shadow of the big fence in right field. Here's the 2-2 delivery to Williams. Looks at a fastball just outside ball three. Billy Pierce faced only three men. In the top half of the first, Bob Friend has faced two men so far with two outs. Williams with a 3-2 count. Friend's into his windup. Here's the payoff pitch to Williams. He swings, he misses, back three. So, in the last half of the first inning, no runs, no hits, no errors, and nobody left on. One strikeout for Bob Friend, and the score at the end of the first inning is the National League nothing. The American League, nothing. Well, stepping in for the National League is the youngster who made the sensational grab, young Ken Boyer. He's hitting 321, has 20 home runs for the National League. And he swings from an open stance, holds the bat down the way, close to his belt. Swings, there's the drive going on over second base. It's in there for a base hit. Mantle moves to his left, throws in the second to Nellie Fox and Ken Boyer gets the first hit of the all-star game of 1956 a single into center field that's the first hit off Billy Pierce and up now for the National League All-Stars Gus Bell the center fielder from the Cincinnati Redlegs Gus hitting 289 has 15 home runs Gus swings from uh, almost an open stance his right foot is pulled back about an inch uh, further from the plate than his left foot Outfield straight away. The pitch by Pierce. A fastball poured through there. Swung on and missed. Strike one. George Kell protecting against the left-hand batter at third base. About two steps off the edge of the infield grass. Nellie Fox deep at second. Mickey Vernon holds against the runner at first. Boyer, he leads away about three steps. Pierce has a very deceptive pickoff. Delivery and the pitch is swung on and missed. Strike two. Billy Pierce keeping that pitch high and inside to Gus Bell. The center fielder from the Cincinnati Redlegs. Ted Williams out in left field. Straight away in center is Mickey Mantle. Deep in right is Al Kaline of the Detroit Tigers. Again, Ken Boyer leads away from first. Vernon holds against him. Two, three steps away. Billy Pierce reads his sign from Yogi Berra. Checks the runner at first. The pitch is swung and a miss. Strike three. So Billy Pierce strikes out Gus Bell. That's his third strikeout. One out to the National League in the top of the second inning. No score, and Ken Boyer on at first in the batter now is Dale Long. Dale has 17 home runs. He's currently hitting at even 300. So Dale Long, number three from the Pittsburgh Pirates. Born February 6, 1926. Stands deep in the box. Pierce looks to Boyer at first. The pitch is a little inside for a ball fastball It sort of popped inside. Outfield straight away. Overcast skies with the sun being blocked out. Dale is from Springfield, Missouri. Billy Pierce out there in the mound. Looks to Boyer at first. The pitch to Long. A swing and a foul back. Just below us and it's two strikes. Check that count. One ball, one strike. One out, one on. Cal again moves in a little closer third, protecting against long. The pitch is taken high outside, and it's two balls, one strike. National League has on deck Ed Bailey, the fine catcher from Cincinnati who has a 335 batting average, has 14 home runs. Pierce again looks to first base. Here's the pitch on the way. Here's a fly ball foul going on top of the roof, back of third base, and the count goes to two balls, two strikes. The playing field here in Griffith Stadium is in beautiful shape. Grass reflecting a mighty fine green and reflects the great work of the ground uh, keepers here in getting the ballpark in great shape for this classic here in 1956. Two balls, two strikes. A runner on at first is Ken Boyer. We are in the top of the second. A pitch by Pierce the day along. A fastball, strike, three call. So Billy Pierce uh, continues to write a new chapter to the strikeout story as he adds his fourth strikeout in the six men he has faced so far. So there's two out in the second inning. The batter is Ken, Ken Boyer on at first, and the batter is Ed Bailey. Bailey also bats from the left side. Where's number six? Ed is from Strawberry Plains, Tennessee. And he's having a mighty fine year. Stands deep in that left hand batter's box, holds a bat right on the end, crouches just a little, holds the bat back like a whip, and looks at a curve outside for ball one. Billy Pierce, the strong left hander for the Chicago White Sox, again demonstrating his uh, great ability to get that ball over the plate. Boyer leads away, throw over back safely, and Pierce uh, side armed him over to first base. Stepping uh, in ahead of the throw, getting his throw over their sidearm, almost got Boyer off. Here's the pitch. There goes Boyer, a swing. There's a throw down to Harvey Kane. He puts it on him. He's out at second. So with Ed Bailey swinging, Boyer trying to go to second. The throw went 2-6. And in the second inning for the National League, no runs, one hit, no errors, and nobody left on base. And at the end of one-and-a-half innings of play, the score, National League nothing, the American League nothing. Mantle goes into today's game carrying a 371 batting average in the American League. Has 29 home runs. This is his fourth All-Star game. Has, uh, takes a big swing and misses on a fastball by Bob Friend for a strike. Mickey, in 13 times at bat, has hit one home run in All-Star competition. Has a three oh eight batting average. 13, uh, doubles. Two triples. And he takes a look at a fastball that's slow. So it's one ball, one strike. Mantle uh, goes into today's game, leading both leagues in uh, the department of home runs and the batting average. Swinging over a closed stance, Bob Friends into his windup. There's a let-up curve that catches the outside corner for a strike. So it's one ball, two strikes. Longing to stroke one. Here's the pitch by Friend. A patch ball on the outside corner Strike three calls. Though Bob Friend is uh, not taking a back seat to anybody, he racks up his second strikeout. And the batter now for the American League is Yogi Barra. We are in the last half of the second inning. There is no score. Only one hit. Ken Boyer's single to start off the second inning. Yogi Barra, hitting 281 in the regular season, takes a swing and there's a ground ball out into left field for a base hit. So Yogi Barra gets the hits even with a single into left center field. Smash hit between the shortstop and the third baseman. And the American Leaguers have a runner on at first, and Al Kaline, who's from Baltimore, Maryland, steps in there. Al's currently hitting 282. He is no stranger to all-star game competition he was in last year. Bob Friend looks to Barrett first. The pitch, there's a swing and a drive into center field. Moving in two steps with plenty of room is Gus Bell. He's got it. So Al Kaline, first ball swinging, lines to the center fielder. And there's two out. Barrett on at first and Mickey Vernon steps in. Becky, a great favorite here in Washington where he played for so many years. Having a great season with the Boston Red Sox, hitting 3.24, has seven home runs. Left-hand batter, Barra leads away. The outfield, straight away. the pitch by a friend. A fastball, high inside. Ball one. Scoreless ball game. We're in the last half of the second inning. The American League at bat. Bear on at first. Long holes against him. Here's the pitch to Vernon. He swings and misses for a strike. One and one. So about friend. Seems calm, cool, and relaxed out there. Boyer, back about three steps off the line at third. Friend checks the runner first. There's a swing and a foul coming back on a curveball, and it's one ball, two strikes. As Mickey Vernon tries to get a hold of that curve and pull it in the right field. National League, Stan Musial in right field. Center field is Gus Bell. In left field is Frank Robinson. Backed up at second is Johnny Temple. Long holds against Yogi Berra, the one-two... Uh, Throw to first base. Back safely. Bob Friend, very quick with that. Throw over to first. Checks the runner. Here's the pitch. Outside. And it's two and two. It was just such a pitch that Mickey Mantle was called out on strikes a fastball that seemed to move. Yogi Barrage is away from first. Here's the two-two delivery. There's a swing and a fly ball hit into left center field. Coming on is Gus Bell still coming. He's got it. So in the last half of the second inning for the American League, no runs, one hit, no errors, and one man left on. And at the end of two full innings of play, the score the National League, nothing. The American League, nothing. Ed Bailey, who was up to bat in the second inning when Ken Boyer was sent down to second base and thrown out by Yogi Berra, is back in there. Bailey, with a 335 batting average in the regular National League season, which is now underway, is in there, and Billy Pierce is ready to work. Here's the left-hander's delivery. It's a curve blown outside for ball one. George Bertie Tebbets, who competed in three All-Star games, is coaching at first base. Freddie Hutchinson of the National League... St. Louis Cardinals at third. The pitch is a fastball down through the middle for a strike. One one. Manager Walter Alston of the Brooklyn Dodgers. Getting two former American leaguers to be his coaches today. Here's the delivery by Pierce. A swing and a miss and a fastball. And it's one ball, two strikes. Freddie Hudson having been with the Tigers. And, of course, Bertie Chabotts having been with the Tigers in Cleveland and Boston. Outfield backed up. infield on the right side. Deep with Vernon two steps off the edge of the outfield grass. Fox one step off the edge at second base. There's a curve outside. Just missed. Two balls, two strikes. Ed Bailey leading off for the National League in the third inning. Scoreless ball game. Each team with one hit. Billy Pierce has struck out four of the six men to face him. The pitch to Bailey takes a look at a curve outside for ball three. Three balls, two strikes. Yogi Barra doing the catching for the American League. Pumps that ball back out to Billy. Billy and Yogi uh, could well become uh, rather well-worked battery mates. They've worked before in the All-Star game, and they're working here today. Here's Pierce with a payoff pitch to Bailey. There's a swing and a high fly. that will pop right out near the coach's box. And Mickey Vernon moves as the wind brings it over. Almost fair, but about two steps foul. He squeezes it for the out. Ball was popped up, and the breeze, which is blowing in from right field out towards left center, almost brought that ball back into fair territory. So Bailey fouls out to the first baseman, Mickey Vernon. Roy McMillan, the shortstop from the Cincinnati Redlegs, batting in the number eight spot for the National League, now steps in. Roy is currently hitting two eighty-two. He has two home runs. Swings over a closed stance and Billy Pierce delivers high and outside. Ball one. Mickey Mantle moves over a few steps in left center field. Deep and left is Ted Williams. Kell is about two steps off the foul line, even with the bag. Pierce ready, delivers, and it's a fastball over but low. And it's a two-ball count. Roy McMillan wears glasses, steps back in there. Pierce is ready with a two-ball delivery. Outside, ball three. So this is the first batter that Billy Pierce has faced in which he has run the count to the wrong side of the ball and strike indicator. There is a left-hander working in the American League bullpen and it looks like Whitey Ford. Here's the pitch by Billy Pierce, a fast ball strike. Three balls, one strike. So Casey Stengel may well go with his promise of using three left-handers in a row against the power-laden National Leaguers. The 3-1 pitch. Swung on, foul back, and the count runs to 3-2. Hitting off the facing up above the press box. While we wait for a new ball, let's pause 10 seconds for station identification. This is Mutual, the radio network for all America. WGN Radio Chicago, serving the Middle West. Pierce's next pitch, swung on, fouled off, going up into the upper deck, back of first base. And every seat here in Griffith Stadium today is jammed. The high wall that runs from the right field corner out to left center field is, they tell me, 31 feet high. The pitch by Billy Pierce is swung on and fouled back again. So Roy McMillan is acting as a souvenir distributor here today, sending them around to everybody. And the press box occupants up there start to wave the white flag. They are in the direct line. And uh, Roy McMillan's starting to get the aim up there. The outfield for the American League shaved around the left. Keene is deep and short. Pierce into his windup. The payoff pitch to McMillan is inside for ball four. So Billy Pierce gives up his first walk. And McMillan becomes the second base runner for the National League, and he's on it first, and the pitcher, Bob Friend, is coming up. So here comes Bob Friend. Stepping up there to see what he can do. Against Billy Pierce, Bob is well thought of as a hitter by his manager, Bobby Bregan, over at Pittsburgh. He bats from the right side. Where's number 19? Pierce now will pitch from the stretch with McMillan on at first. Vernon holds against McMillan. He leads away the pitch coming. There's a tempted bunt foul. So Friend apparently displays the strategy of Major Madger Walston to move the runner to second as he tries to bunt it. George Kell now moves in a few steps closer at third base, about one or two steps off the edge of the infield grass. The outfield straight away. Nellie Fox and Harvey Keene getting their signal set. McMillan again, edges away. Vernon holding against the of The pitch on the way. There's the bunt out in front of the plate. Down off the mound as Pierce. Makes his throw to first. A high throw but grabbed by Fox. And out at first. The sacrifice is good. And the play goes from Billy Pierce to Nellie Fox. 1-4 if you score with us. But the sacrifice for Bob Friend is good. And out at second now is Roy McMillan. Two outs. The batter is Johnny Temple, a second baseman. He struck out in the first inning. And the overcast skies remain with us. A heavy layer of cumulus clouds overhead. But the weather prediction is that it may be cloudy, but no rain. We are in the top of the third. There's no score. The National League has a runner on at second base. Two outs. And the batter is Johnny Temple. Right-hand batter, Pierce ready. Looks, throws, and a fastball over the outside corner for a strike. Bertie Tebbets down at first base, chirping it up for his uh, second baseman. Johnny Temple. All right, Pierce is ready. Looks back to McMillan. The pitch on the way is a foul. As Temple tried to pull away from a curveball, it struck his bat bounced off for a foul. Two strikes. Apparently, Temple thought it was a fastball, but it broke in on his bat. He didn't uh, have an opportunity to pull it out of there. Two strikes account. count. So Pierce now way ahead of the batter. Nellie Fox makes a bluff over toward second to keep McMillan from taking too big a lead away from second base. All right. Ready now as Billy Pierce looks to second a pitch. Fastball high. And it's one ball, two strikes. One and two. Pierce out there looking into Yogi Barra. McMillan keeps pumping that bat. Kell is backed up at third, guarding the foul line. Millan edges away. The pitch is fouled on the basket up near the photographer's back of the first baseline and up above the American League dugout. So the count is one ball, two strikes. Two out. Runner at second, no score. Top of the third. And the fans, uh, of course, here today, the National League fans, are waiting for the haunted National League power to explode. And the American League fans are here to see, well, the American League has some power, too. Third ball, driven out in the right center field. It's going in for a base hit. Here's McMillan making the turn at third. McMandle's throw is coming in, and it is cut off. And the first run of the ball game is registered by the National League. A little Texas league single out into right center field for Johnny Temple. Drives in the first run of the ball game. Roy McMillan from the Cincinnati Redlegs drew the walk. Sacrificed over by Bob Friend of the Pittsburgh Pirates. And Johnny Temple of the Cincinnati Redlegs singling into right center to bring him home. Here's Frank Robinson up there. Struck out his last time right hand. batter. of the pitch. Swings on this one. Fouls it over the top of the roof. National League one and the American League nothing two outrunnered at first the outfield pull to the left with Mantle a few steps over in left center Williams deep in left field Al Kaline around in right center the pitch is a fastball inside and it's one ball one strike well Billy Pierce was going right along until he issued the walk And the sacrifice and the single. Temple leads away from first. The pitch to Robinson takes a swing and a fastball, fouls it off. And it's one and one. Well, the way these two-ball clubs are built, and with the great managers they both have in Walt Austin of the National League and Casey Stengel of the American League, it is reasonable to assume that today's game may certainly go as long as last year's battle up in Milwaukee which was won in the 12th inning by Stan the Man with the big swing. So it's one ball, two strikes. The runner at first leads away. There's a swing and a miss for strike three. That's all for Frank Robinson and the National League. In the third inning, they pick up one run from one hit, no errors, and one man left on. So at the end of two and a half innings of play, the score is the National League one, the American League nothing. Say, if you think firemen are the fastest dressers in the world, you ought to see these ballplayers after a game. Boy, they're in and out of that locker room in nothing flat, especially when they've got a tight schedule. That's one reason most of them use the Gillette Super Speed Razor and why so many have switched to those instant lather shaving creams. They tell me that one out of four men who use shaving cream go for instant lathers, and I believe the percentage is higher among ball players. Instant lathers have it for men in a hurry. And you can say that again for Gillette Foamy. Touch the nozzle, there's your cream. Rich, full of moisture, just spread it on your face and shave. There's speed for you, and you can't beat it for convenience. A lot of men say there's just nothing like Gillette Foamy for comfort, too, and with it you get an important extra. That's K34, an exclusive antiseptic that destroys harmful bacteria on your face. If you're an instant lather man, this is for you. And if you haven't used instant lather, foamy is sure worth a trial. 79 cents gets you a three-month supply. How can you lose? Moving into the last half of the third inning for the American League, George Cal.
0: Thank you for listening to Pardon the Confusion. We'll be back next week with another podcast. And listen in as we talk about more sports, NFL, and everything else going on. Thanks for listening.